You're listening to Kelly Unleashed, a podcast with real conversations about real experiences. No topic is off the table. Kelly is a single mother with two daughters who survived the unimaginable. She's ready to share her traumatic experience and help others heal and find their inner strength. Hello, hello, and welcome to Kelly Unleashed. I'm your host, Kelly Kane. Before I start this episode, I wanted to do a public service announcement. Within the last month, I have seen a lot of incidents on social media involving children meeting people and being taken advantage of, and I just kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit. I didn't realize it at the time I was going through everything, but... Looking back now, I should have kind of seen the signs, so to speak, when we would be sitting at the dinner table and I would go to mess with my daughter and act like I was gonna grab her phone and she freaked out. If I hadn't known then what I know now and why she had that reaction, things might have not gone to the extreme that they went to, but you can't really blame yourself because you are in a relationship with someone that you trust, you trust with your children's lives, and you don't expect something like that to happen. I'll touch more on that in a little bit as far as my daughter's social media interaction and such, but I wanted to touch on, I have a friend that has gone through something recently, and her daughter was going for a visit with a family member, and And I don't know the whole story, but while there, she met up with a gentleman she had met on Snapchat, I believe, and was missing for about three days. Several of her friends knew what was going on, but did not come forward until finally the third day. She was over 17, so they could not issue an Amber Alert, but thank goodness her friends did finally come forward and give information to the family so that they could locate her. I'm going to give you also another example. I was at a sex trafficking rally in October and several of the speakers spoke to social media. One speaker in particular was Investigator Young and he told of an incident with one of his own family members. I believe it was his niece and she had met a gentleman on social media and was messaging back and forth and come to find out he was a very older gentleman and she thought he was a teenager. So we really have to make ourselves aware and be careful and check your children's social media and I'm one that is not here to judge because I see what I went through and the things that I overlooked and parents please, please, please just check it even though your child thinks that you're invading their privacy, it is your duty to protect them. There are so many predators out there, and we need to be aware, and we need to to be more vigilant as far as your child or any children, really. I want to be there to advocate for other children that are going through things and help them, and, you know, I've learned a lot, and I'm still learning, but our children are our future, and we need to mold them and not have someone take advantage of them. So getting back to our story, the day that everything came out was just so surreal and I felt like I was in a dream. I guess you could say that I kind of do still feel like I'm in a dream because I just 
live day to day and look back and I'm just how, why, the day our worlds fell apart, so to speak. You can say they fell apart, but they can also be put back together. I was at home taking a nap and I woke up to a voicemail saying it was CPS and they had my daughters. That is a phone call no mother wants to hear. Of course, they wouldn't release any information over the telephone, which is very understandable. So I called them right back and got dressed in a panic and headed to the police department. Um, They said that they had my daughters and that I would need to come talk to them. And you have all these things running through your mind. You don't know what's going on. I knew that it wasn't anything that I had done because even though I had struggled in my own life, With my brain injury and things like that, I was still a very present mother, and I loved my children dearly. Looking back, I did see that there were a lot of times that I shut myself off, but not ever from my children. I was always there for my babies. So getting back, I made my way to the police department, and I was greeted by an investigator who took me to a room. I don't remember if... The CPS lady was in there at the time or if she joined us later because everything was just so surreal, like I said. And I'm going to use that word quite a bit. You know, I went into the room and they started explaining a little bit to me about what had gone on. They said that it had made an outcry to her counselor about some molestation and some sexual abuse that had been going on. When I got there, I was not allowed to see my children. And as a matter of fact... I was not allowed to see my children for several hours, which was so hard on me. But we got into the room and they were explaining a few things to me. They would not go into detail because there was an investigation going on. They didn't know where I stood in anything. They didn't know if I was a part of anything. Um, And I get that. They have to do their due diligence. They have to investigate because there are a lot of mothers out there that do not leave. There are a a lot of mothers out there that know something is going on and do nothing about it because they're scared. They don't have anywhere to go. And these are common things that I see every day in my advocacy and my volunteering. So I'm sitting in this room with two people I've never met in my life just in disbelief and thinking what is going on here. Um, has an older brother and sister from my previous marriage and they have kind of been getting close and just trying to learn more about each other and get to know each other and so for some reason when all of this first hit in my head I had a feeling that her and her sister were conjuring something because you know in admiration of her older sister who she thought was cool was living the life but, um, so I thought, you know, maybe they're trying to just connive and do something about going and staying with her or whatever. Not that I had any inclination that anything was going on, whether it be that or the abuse. But anyways, so I'm in there and they're trying to explain things to me. And they told me that the outcry was made against my husband and I was in shock. I just could not believe what I was hearing. So as I stated before, they wouldn't go into a lot of detail as to what was going on, but they did tell me it was my husband and I needed to call him and tell him he had to leave the house 
They told me that I would not be able to be around my children alone, and this was just so shocking. Even though it wasn't anything to do with me, I couldn't help but feel like they were targeting me as well. Just all the emotions going on and not a lot of explanation was so very hard. So I called him and told him that I was at the CPS office and that they told me that there has been an outcry of abuse and that he needed to leave the home. He thought it was a joke. He thought I was punking him. And it wasn't until I got the CPS worker on the phone with him and she explained to him what was going on that he finally, you know, believed what was going on. But still, no inclination that he was doing anything to my daughter. He didn't act like he was worried or anything. So we leave the police department and we head to the Child Advocacy Center here in Cook County, which is one of the few around. And I want to say that even though I have a few things that I didn't agree with um, as far as the way they handled my, my case and their treatment of me was very hard because I was a victim as well. But I get it. I understand. They have to investigate to make sure I wasn't involved. So they take the girls to the advocacy center so that they can do the forensic interviews. And I'm sitting outside probably, I want to say an hour. It might not have been that long, but gosh, it felt like a lifetime. And so when they get done with everything, I was told that I needed to meet them at the CPS office. And I think one of the hardest things was when I arrived at the CPS office and I saw the advocate or the CPS worker with my children in her vehicle and my daughter's sister was there and was around my children. I get my daughter that was abused, but my daughter with my ex-husband, my biological daughter who has no ties to my daughter's sister, that was hard. That really pissed me off if you really want to know the true way that I felt. Um, because she has no ties to my biological child and I didn't feel like that was handled very well. So we get in there and I go back to another room with the CPS worker and she informed me that I would not be able to be around my daughters without supervision. And I didn't really have a lot of family here in town at the time and I still don't but my mother and my father passed away within six months of each other in 2016 so I didn't have anybody really that I could call and, you know, that I trusted enough that I could let them know what I was going through and they wouldn't judge me. So I called a lifelong friend who I had, you know, pretty much recently just reacquainted with and she came without hesitation and agreed to be with me and the girls um, at my house. So we went back to the house and I was told that I needed to take my daughter's phone because, you know, they didn't want her communicating with, with my ex-husband. And so I took her phone and put it up. And when I got back to the house, I arrived before my friend and my daughters. They went to get some ice cream while I went to the house and made sure my ex-husband was leaving and CPS was with me. So I was talking to him out in the driveway and he had one of our drivers with him, and the driver was just in disbelief as well. He 
stated, you know, he had known my husband for so many years and he was not capable of doing something like that. And my husband still denied everything. Did not know why my daughter was making accusations like that. And so he gathered up everything and, and he left and he would be allowed to come back to the house because our office was towards the back and so he still had to do work and everything so he could come back to the house when the girls were not at home when they were at school. So later that night I had to go to Walmart to get an air mattress for my friend because she was going to stay with us for a little bit and when I went I met up with my husband there and he still denied everything and did not know why my daughter was saying the things she was saying and at this point I'm still trying to analyze everything and just understand what's going on and, and get stories from my child and get stories from my husband whom I've been with over 15 years and known longer than that. You know, it's just you don't know how to feel. You don't know what to believe. And then you have the guilt of who do I believe? Um, but nine times out of 10, I want to say that if a child makes an accusation, it's pretty much the truth. So do not ever push anything like that aside. It might not be what they say exactly, but there is some truth in it. So please, please, please always, always take a child's word to heart. So he left. I went back to the house and my uh, friend was there and I was not allowed to be anywhere alone with my children. I couldn't go to the bathroom with them. We could not. My friend had to be there the whole time. So we go to bed and the next morning she takes him to school and she heads to work and my husband comes to the house to work and I get up and I'm just kind of curious what's in my daughter's phone and I wanted to go through hers and her sister's communication with each other just to see what was going on there because you know I told you I just had a feeling that it was something along those lines. So I went through her phone and that's when I saw everything. It's something you can't unsee. It's something no mother ever wants to have to deal with but there were so many text messages and so many pictures and I was just disgusted. I could not even look at hardly any of them. And so my ex-husband was in the office and I went out there with the phone and I confronted him and it was like, you know, my whole world just was obliterated. And I remember looking at him and holding the phone and I told him, I said, you are sick and you need to leave. And he honestly sat there and said, I've been thinking about how to tell you all morning. It's just no remorse, you know? I mean, how can you even fathom doing something like that to a child? So he gathered up his things and computer and everything, and I told him not to come back, and he left. I took my daughter's phone, and I was communicating with the investigator, and I asked him if I could delete everything because I didn't want her to have to go back and see all of that and just have it tear her down all over again. And so he said yes because they did a dump, so I was able to do that. And I just have no words. I just don't know how to describe it. It's sitting here talking about it right now. It's like my heart is on fire, and I don't want any parent to have to go through what I felt or the guilt I let my child down. I didn't see things that were going on. And you don't. And you can't blame yourself. I've learned that because 
narcissistic sociopaths are very, very good at what they do. And they groom their victims. And, you know, at the point we were at, my daughter was just so turned against me. You know, he told her, your mother doesn't love you. She's not a nurturing mother. And that's what they do. They don't want to be found out. So they try to alienate them from anybody that loves them and cares about them and might see the signs. I know we as parents don't understand a lot of the ways that these things work out or, you know, how these agencies handle things. And I'm not saying that the way they handled ours was completely wrong, but I do think that there can be some improvements made. You have a parent that's sitting outside of a building not able to love their children, comfort them, and that parent feels like a failure as well, like they are the lowest of the low. And even though I know that I would have done everything if I had have known what was going on, to protect my child. I would give my life for my children. You just don't know. You don't know how to deal things. You don't know what emotions are going to be coming next. And I've learned throughout all of this that there are people out there to help. And I've said it a hundred times. That's why I wanted to get involved because just feeling those raw emotions and being so scared and not knowing and, you know, from step to step, the processes you're going through, it took about two years for us to even finally get to trial. And even when you get to trial, you might feel like there's going to be closure. That's not always the case. I can say probably that I feel a little bit of closure after going through the whole process and the, and the court case. I don't think that he got near the time that he should have gotten for what he did to my child, my children. Um, I guess I can throw this in there now. We're pretty sure that he also um, molested our biological child we have together who is now 13. But she is having a hard time processing it and she is using a dream as a coping mechanism. And you know at that young age you still have a hard time of processing things and and you know who do you believe? Do you believe your mom and your sister or do you believe your father? and his family or, you know, the people that are supporting him. And that's that's a struggle, too. I mean, like I said, we've been through so many different aspects of this and so many different emotions come into play. And I'm going to try to hit on everything. Um, but I just want to do, you know, a segment here and there about different things. And it's not always going to be sad and, and you know, um, and taking a lot out of you. I want to be upbeat too and tell you the good things that have come out of this. There are a lot of good things that have come out of this. I honestly believe that, and you're going to hear me say this over and over and over, things happen for a purpose. God takes you out of a situation that you might be comfortable in and puts you in a situation where you can thrive and you can help others and you can grow and you can, you know, just become a beautiful soul because I can honestly say Looking back, I was not a very nice person. I was a miserable person, and I didn't even realize it. Even though I didn't know what was going on, I was a victim in our marriage, too, and did not realize how much of a victim I was. I'm not a victim anymore. I'm a survivor, and I won't ever go back to that place. Um, if I have to be alone for the rest of my life, I will never, ever be put in a situation like that again. 
And that's why I want to help people because honestly, I didn't think I would ever have the strength to go through something like this. And when you don't think you have it, you reach deep down inside your soul and you find it. And I am so damn proud of the person that I've become. I'm so proud of how my daughters have made it through all of this. And I always thought I was the strong one. My strength it does not even compare to the strength that they have. So I just want to leave you with that. And like I said, things happen for a purpose. You will rise out of the ashes. You will make it. And I am here. If you need me, I'm here. I've made it a point to advocate, to volunteer, and just to help people and heal this community and heal the people around me. And I love what my life is becoming, what our lives are becoming. I want to try to release a podcast every week. That doesn't necessarily always mean that that's how it's going to play out because being a single mother and with my hat and so many rings, um, you know, things get crazy around here. And I'm trying to really put myself out there in our community and help people. So you will have something every week. It might not be the same day, but you will have something. So, and I don't want to always be down and, and everything. So I might switch it up from week to week. It might not be about the abuse that we've gone through every single week or our story. I might throw in some guests. I'm going to throw in dating. And I'm going to bring a friend on. And, and she's older than me. We're going to talk about the dating scene. And I'm going to bring somebody in younger too, because I want people to see that this world is not always ugly. It is beautiful. And if you have the right people around you to support you, you can make it through. You can find happiness again. Trust me, you can find happiness. I found it. Um, just creating myself over. So anyways, um, I hope you enjoyed the episode and please, please, please come back because I want to love you. And remember, live broken, but live. Thanks for listening to Kelly Unleashed. If you want to support the podcast, like and share, and please leave a five-star review. Until next time, remember your inner strength and know it comes from within. Live broken, but live.